G'day listeners, this episode is proudly brought to you by our major sponsor, subshq.com.au. Use code BENS15 at checkout to receive 15% off on your next purchase. G'day listeners and welcome back to another roundtable episode with your fellow coaches and co-hosts. I don't know, we'll figure something out, you guys are here, that's all that matters. Really nailed this introduction, (laughs) but the point is, joined by Tom and Rowan again. How are we doing lads? Good mate, good. Good mate, doing well, doing well, as always. That's a flat out lie, but we'll go with it. We'll pretend it's, it's not. <laughs> uh, you got to put up pretenses sometimes. Come on. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps meant to be easy, right? Yeah, perhaps meant to be easy. Not meant to be hungry. Don't compare yourself. Don't have body image issues. All don't BS. drink all of the diet, right? Yeah, Hashtag sponsor, sponsor us, please. Yeah. I need, I need a company-wide sponsorship for Pepsi Max, Diet Right, and Light Jelly. Absolutely. Just get I those. I don't want board. to think about how much of all of those things I've had in the last three days. <laughs> I suppose that's a good starting point, uh, Rowan. You are balls deep into what week three now of prep. Yeah, yeah. Week three, week three, yeah. fourteen weeks out today, I think. Yes, actually, I think you are. Yeah, which is fucking nuts. That's crazy because we literally we want well to kind of give it like a preface we put you into a bit of a hold phase uh coming into uni exams because obviously completing your masters is more important than um being aggressively dieted on a show so we just didn't let you get very fat and then Mm -hmm. kind of gave you a chance to hold some calories right like i think we sat you at 3600 or 4000 i want to freeze that was sorry (laughs) uh sorry 4000 we were at 4000 before um over the uni exams, uh, we came down from four six, I think, um, yeah. and then went to four for about a month um, before dropping my cows out three weeks ago. And you were holding weight at four thousand. Yeah, pretty much completely stagnant at four thousand for that entire block. Obviously, stress comes into it and other things going on, um, but yeah, weight was pretty much sitting at at ninety eight for that whole that whole block. Yeah, no, I don't mean dropping weight. I mean, I was more impressed that, like, you obviously just not gaining weight at that too, like, especially with stress and all. But yeah, I mean, that's why we trust the coach, right? <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't, but sure. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like considering, considering, like, um, I was talking to someone about it the other day, considering where we kind of took the reins last time you competed the and again obviously there's no no disrespect or anything like that here but like the the difference in where your food got to and like how hard you had to dig to get to that position um to kind of be in a nice control position now where supplementation is minimal but it's still you know it's more but it's minimal training intensity is relatively controlled um food volume isn't that low considering you're in what 14 weeks out from prep to be this far out in the condition you're in and be at the condition you were in for 4,000 calories is pretty much night and day from where you were yeah, it's been a it's been a very different, I guess, journey um, this time around. And I think like everything's a learning process and everything's a learning experience yeah. and w- working out where your body responds. But yeah, I mean, it was fun pushing the amount of food we pushed and we learned some things about my body the first time because I guess mm-hmm. I've never pushed that hard at the start either and, and kind of got to this interesting point where my body shut down the first time we pushed my cows too hard and we had to take mm-hmm. some time off and then go again. Um, but it has been nice to know that, you know, we can keep, eat a lot of food and my condition st- still stays relatively controlled and we don't have to do anything super drastic on the way back down. So yeah, it's definitely been a learning experience and yeah, you're right. Like sitting where we are now, 14 weeks out is probably where we were about six weeks out last year or eight weeks out last year. So pretty yeah, nice I mean, to, to be in this position. Make rates of progress like that every other season is not a bad position to be in. The condition we have now yeah. at 14 weeks out will be the, the laughable condition we have when you're 20 weeks out next time. Yeah. Or where we start maybe. Yeah. We like out of the starting position, but um, yeah. Moving on to Thomas. How are you, mate? How's training? Uh, a little bit frustrating this week, I suppose, just with shoulder issues and niggles and stuff going on. But um, <clears throat> I mean, legs this morning was good for, Glad to actually get a proper session in, not be tired, have a good sleep last night and stuff. So can't complain on that one. Um, but I mean, everything was going really well um, until this, yeah, the last week or so. Um, 
weights have still been progressing, whatever, everything's going up, except for maybe like hacks and stuff where I'm kind of getting to that stage where it's a daunting task going into them um, just because I know how heavy it is and with if I'm going to be able to progress or not. So obviously the mindset is I want to be getting an extra rep for at least matching what I'm doing from the week before and that's, yeah, it's becoming a lot harder. So um, that might be something we look at. But other than that, everything else, yeah, been going well. So um, weight-wise, like on the scale, it's kind of a bit all over the place depending on what my food is and the night before, but um, it's definitely progressed up and I'm pushing like the heaviest I've been. So um, we're pretty close to about the same mark as the heaviest I was in 2020, 19, 20. Yeah. Um, but obviously a hell of a lot better position for that weight. So, yeah. We kind of peaked at what was it about 100 and oh, not peaked, but we kind of 113 last time. Yeah. And then we're sitting about, well, sorry, in this week we were about 112. I think that's some yeah, of that average, average weight across the week was like 111 and yeah. a half to 112, which I think. Um, the heaviest I weighed in on a morning was about 112 and a half, but yeah, so getting there, yeah, it's not, a bad, not a bad position to be in. How about you, boss man? How are you feeling? What's going on? Um, How exams, no, I'm all right. Finished exams, it was, a, it was an interesting week. That like it's hard for me to switch my head from uh, what's the word, like just being in the books to actually getting a session in, like they're just never, they're never the same. like press for time, making sure you get all your lectures reviewed and all your t- uh, tutorials done and, and obviously res- uh, reviewing exam notes and then feeling like also I've got to get time into train. So they 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 changed the uh, the exam date. So I had my whole week planned out for my exam on the Wednesday. So I just left my training alone till the end of the week. I was like, I'll just do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And lo and behold, they pushed it to, to Thursday. So it kind of just set my week back a bit. But, but yeah, it was all done now. So uh, pretty much just one of the things that I teach clients is to give yourself the, the mental flexibility, I guess, to be able to do different things at certain different times. No point trying to push four or five sessions in the week when, you know, I can take one week to ease back a little bit and focus on an exam. That's pretty important. And then obviously send it next week instead. Yeah, and I think yeah, that's right. a pretty good point. I think that's a pretty good point for anyone knows that like you don't have to send it every single week. And you're not going to go backwards by having a week that is not the pinnacle of your training. Um, we can have our time. We know that maintenance is some ridiculously low number. Yeah. Something about five to seven sets a week or something like that, if that, um, to maintain what you've got strength-wise and hypertrophy-wise. So we can have downtime and, and not be super stressed about it. But anything longer than that, obviously, we need things to be in place. Yeah, um, and I would attest to that too. I mean, I've been away for two weeks and seen minimal drops in like strength and stuff. Um, obviously, anything over two weeks, you probably of doing nothing. Um, you tend to start to see some some regression there. But if you're pushing three, four days of not like you're just taking that to, to focus on something else, you, yeah, you're not. It's not setting you back um, anything at all. And I mean, if you're even if you are due for like a round of deload around that time, you can always just time it. Um, or like the coach or whatever. If you know or well ahead of time your exam blockers then that's when you just pre plan one. Um, so I mean there's ways to work around it too, right? And that's what we did because I I've um I've entered my first my first aggressive cut uh since since prep, which is is due, it's good, but it sucks. Um, hitting a protein sparing modified fast and trying to stay focused for exam. So I hit up Scaff and, and let him know that I need some food for like at least a couple of days before prep. So I had my diet, my, my planned diet break uh, the Tuesday, Wednesday, so that I had obviously like a bit of brain function for for Thursday morning. But yeah, trying to trying to focus for exams and study and have next to no food and carbs has been pretty interesting. So got to finish that off for another three weeks i think it is to get through that I'm what's down. that total leaf wise ah uh, 
takeout diet breaks will be about four weeks on the nose for actual dieting. And then he does a, he does like a, a 12 and two kind of thing. So it'll be almost like a 10 and two kind of refeed process. So realistically, like there's a week there of, of actual eating amongst three to four weeks of aggressively low food. So, and the eating isn't even that much. I think my carbs went up to 300 on the day, like nothing hectic at all. So kind of just replenished what I needed just went with some more volume foods to just stay full and saturated while I was working and studying. But yeah, there's nothing, nothing crazy that I'm to write home about, but yeah, that'll be pretty much how Scaff approaches it. I think is um, pretty much next to zero carbs. He lets me exclude sauces and vegetables and stuff. And that's about it. No actual precise additional carbohydrates or, you know, grain carbs or anything like that. So yeah, it's made, it's made training and life a bit interesting for, last two weeks and so you're eating two kilos of veg a day right pretty much like five bags of salad mix a day a bag of fucking vegetables two tubs of sauce (laughs) (laughs) hey secret is volumizers that's what we're here for and hey micronutrients as well right my bowel (laughs) movements have never been better that's the main point oh (laughs) but uh i mean i'm down so i dropped i dropped four kilos week one and then went up a kilo for the refeed day and then i'm back down two kilos from that so in the space of two weeks i've lost gained and lost seven kilos <laughs> but hey weight manipulation's hard and it doesn't fucking you know it's a challenge and you've got to be fucking i don't know worked up about you gotta it. do it for weeks and weeks and weeks yeah, and weeks and weeks the whole thing you gotta slowly change. do it for six months <laughs> depends how much you want to suffer i suppose yeah, yeah. That, that's a that's a rant for a whole day there on deciding how to diet. But um, yeah, something I thought would be interesting for us to talk about um, today and kind of give an insight of how we sort of approach things uh, collectively and individually is looking at uh, considerations for programming, especially amongst body composition and like <laughs> different, different intensities of body composition. So I've been noticing a bit lately on the, the social webs, um, weirdly... Uh, weirdly conflicting opinions on things that just don't make sense to me in regards to why people are making these random changes or selections or exercise ideas. Like there's a mixture of uh, inconsistency, uh, almost like lack of impulse control um, over complexity that, that it's almost like coaches are trying to make themselves be worth more than they are in order to maintain clients or try to get a result, but it, it never lands that way. Like things like, you know, Timeframes of program changes. I've the last probably three weeks, I've seen several people mention to me or talk about in general or see posts on social media that four to six weeks is the adequate time to change programming. I don't just mean like, you know, in the sense of like say I change program for you guys or scaffs change program for me. It might be an additional rep scheme or increasing a set target, something like that. These are like whole exercise selection modifications whole program modifications, um, you know, brand new phases of training protocol after four to six weeks. And to me, it was like, it, it, it gets the wrong idea, I think, in, in a client's head where they think that value comes from changing all the time and that uh, a good coach is going to be modifying your program every other week. And that if you're not doing that, it's not working or the system isn't right or, you know, the coach doesn't know what he's doing. But to me, it kind of says the exact opposite. And like... Mm. Not even, in a, not even in a negative way of like naming any of these people, but just more so the concept of why you would do it and kind of the the forest for the trees that's being missed in terms of how you map out a program. And if it's working, why the fuck change it? Like we're, we're, we're getting to a point where you try to rapidly change stuff in the in the the period of time where you're probably only just starting to adapt to the layout of the program in the first place and then going, well, it's week four to six and this is where I'm going to plateau. So change it. Yet all three of us have run programs now for the better part of 20 weeks with simple modifications that have continued to progress. Uh, there's so many, there's so many way reasons as to why I think people like to change. And I think honestly, the first one comes down to the client or the consumer. Like how often do you see someone be like, Oh, I'm bored. I've done yeah. the same program for six weeks. I'm bored. It's like, well, yeah, like repetition is boring, but repetition is what we do and how we get results. So yeah. So what if it's boring? 
use the interest of increasing and progression as your marker for boredom. Sure, if you hit the same weight and haven't made changes in three to four weeks, okay, we're looking like we need to change. If we hit it for two, sure, I'm going to ask questions and be like, why are we, why are we not improving? Is it intensity? Is it life stuff? Is there other things going on? But at the end of the day, if you're just bored of a program, but you're still making changes, why reinvent the wheel? Yeah. Why fix something that's not broken? Um, as you said, we've all run programs for a long time and we keep moving forward. So why not just keep moving forward? Um, yeah, I think that's the big one is people just think that a new thing is important when a new thing really is not what they need. They just need to run what they're doing and run with it. Yeah, I like I would agree with that. And I think whether it's just something that seems to be trending at the moment, that that is what you do, change four to six weeks, and it's like, oh, I've got to jump on that bandwagon. But otherwise, potentially it is like they're not seeing, they're trying to provide what they perceive as more value to their client. Yeah. Like, look, you get new programming mm -hmm. in four to six weeks, all this stuff, whatever. Other coaches will just give you one and you run it for fucking four months. Like, but, but it's not that's not the part of it. Sure, we write the program specific for you or whatever, um, and we do keep in mind that you will get bored of it and we want to keep it interesting for you to keep you on track. But there comes a point in that too that that's down to your commitment to your goal and whatever. So if you have a physique-based goal, there's multiple ways to get to that end goal, but how optimised do you want it to be? If you're changing your program at week four or week six, you've spent the first week figuring out kind of even a movement pattern, if you have, again, if you haven't done it for ages. Like I, if I haven't squatted for ages and I go and squat, I'm not going to be doing anything effective in the first week necessarily. I'm just kind of relearning how it feels, where I want my feet, everything like that. So then <laughs> second week, you might be like, okay, I need to figure out what weight I'm going to be doing for this rep scheme. And then so you get to week three and you're finally at a point where you're like, okay, I can push some sets with the proper weight that I need for that rep range. And you do that for like another two weeks and you're like, oh, no, okay, scrap that, let's go to hacks. Like, what, why? Like, yeah. You're not getting any effectiveness out of that two weeks or three weeks at like your point where you're only just going to be actually starting to see some strength progression. Yeah, you get you get to I a think, point I think, where, yeah. um, like even if we look at it from the sense of like of, of boredom or or like program excitement and things like that, like we kind of like you guys kind of touched on there is that we also have to look at well what what is it you're trying to do? Is this just a is this just a session or like a, a program where you just want to go into the gym and feel feel good about yourself? Or you want to feel like you know you're just in there, or is this actually to elicit a response that we're trying to achieve a certain result over a period of time? Now, if that's if the latter is the case, which if you're working with us, I'm going to argue that it is, and it should be for most coaches if you're working with them in a body composition sense. We we know that you can run these things. Like, don't get me wrong, if you're if week four to six is like where you might implement a deload, fair enough. That's one argument. If it's you know excitement of the client and they're just getting bored, and you know, it actually might just require you reassessing the program map out. Like maybe they might enjoy some intensifiers or something like that. And it's it's more of a general population client. Fair enough. You can throw that in. Just make it more exciting so they do it. And a, a program that a client actually is excited to do is mu much more adherent than a program that they don't want to touch. So sure, make it a bit more exciting. But this is where you're coming to a professional. You're coming to someone to take that onus off you and sort of like direct you on how to go about it. Where you've done this work before obviously hasn't worked in the result you're trying to get. That's kind of why you're here. That's why you're kind of you know taking us on and working with us. So if it's being said, hey, look, you know, this might not be, be as exciting as other coaches pumping you with a new program every four weeks, but I guarantee you, if you run this exercise into the ground or this program into the ground before we make changes and your understanding of that, you're going to get a lot more out of yourself and out of this program than if we change exercises, modalities, uh, order selections, layouts every other month just because you're not interested. If you're not interested in the repetition, I would argue that you reassess why you're doing these things because repetition is the key to the result. So we've got to get to a point where you kind of just accept the fact that, I don't know, maybe it's 20% less fun because you're doing the same movements, but it's 
400% more productive in result over a period of time. If we fucking, you know, kind of like Tom said there, you, you digest and break it down. You're, you're looking at the first two weeks realistically being uh, pattern and biomechanic establishment to realize that you might actually like, you know, might need to figure out the movement, make sure it's how your coach wants it done, make sure that you're connecting in a way that's actually feeling a load in the stimulus, not just throwing weight. By week three, you might be comfortable enough now to try and push a two or three RAR. By week four, best, you've had one week at one RAR maybe. And being a new client, the likelihood of that one RAR is actually one RAR in line with the way we train. I'd say it's probably not closer to a two or a three, maybe a four. So in that four-week period where I'm just developing you to actually be a trained client, you're going to get a new program a week later. Like it just doesn't land in making sense to me and wanting to get a result. It it makes sense in the, like you said, Tom, kind of trying to perceive extra value to the client, but is the value you're seeking from me excitement or result? Because I can kind of give you both, but at the same time, the primary thing for me that's driving my love for this is you getting a result. And that's going to be where I step in and say, yeah, I can make this a little bit more exciting, but also you're going to run this program into the fucking ground and you're going to hurt. And I think like that ties back into what you brought up just before is intensifiers. Like that's, I guess, where we can, and I guess like, as you asked, like and pose the question, what is our programming considerations? Like for us, we run a very, I guess not a standard model, but we run quite similar models, um, all three of us. And I've seen, like, I know what our programs look like and I guess like we're quite similar, but then to throw in that level of excitement, we can throw in intensifiers and that might be our drop sets or our giant sets or our supersets or anything where we're doing kind of, we can go top, we can go top set to back down sets and, and little things like that, where we're changing rep schemes and we're changing the way we do things. But as the boys said, we're loading the same movement patterns so that we create the same results through those. And I think the gripe we have is not that people are doing this rep scheme stuff and changing those. We're griping with the fact that people are changing whole movement patterns, which, as we said, takes about two, three, four weeks to actually adjust to. So why are we looking at changing that? Whereas we can go, okay, we've got two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you're getting kind of bored. All right, let's change the way you do this so that you're going to do a back down set. You're going to go two, three, top sets and then you're going to hit a back down set and there's your excitement because now you're absolutely cooked like we've all done back down work on hacks and and anything leg related it is the least enjoyable thing ever if you've ever done a drop set on a hack squat it is one of the worst things you can ever do but it keeps it interesting because you're like oh that's going to suck so much but i know that i'm going to feel good afterwards so i guess that's where we come in and go well okay we've got the bones that run for a long time but here's how we can bring you excitement. Yeah. Um, and like, on the, I guess on the flip side to that, so a little bit towards the other side of things, like one of my clients is, so we're not talking like stage composition here or anything like that. It's just like lose weight. So I'm just looking at output and whatever. And their time restraint in the gym too. So attend a small gym, fairly busy equipment is whatever's available right so in freedom of programming there it's like i don't care what exercise you do for say an incline chest as long as you try and do the same one each week and if something else so you might be doing dumbbells if that there's no benches available whatever use the machine that allows you to do the same movement pattern but it's the machine that's free that week, that's fine. You'll then establish you have that weight that you use that week. If you have to go to put that back to that at some point, you know what weight you've done. You've still got it written down in the app or whatever. Um, and again, it's not ideal, but it's we're not, this client isn't like an optimized scenario. So all we're doing is we're just getting output in the gym. Um, it allows him to be in and out in 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, and, and, it wor- and it still works. Like it's, we don't want to premise this that the only way to do it is a program for 16 weeks or forever, and that's the only way you're going to go. you sure you can still see progress in a four- to six-week program um, and then change it up by all means. But we're, we're talking here in terms of like an, what's potentially more optimal as opposed to exciting. Um, 
And I guess a lot of people might want programs that just change. Like, you know, like even back in the day, you'd go in and just do what you felt like on that day. Like, oh, I'm training chest or just pick exercises I want to do on that day. And a lot of people still think that that might be the way to go because you listen to like the Real Bodybuilding podcast or like Bro Chat or whatever and that's how Phil had trained and all that. So you hear that from each direction and that's also, you're like, oh, it worked for them and they're huge. Why can't I change my program every four to six weeks to have a list of that same breaks? But like, yeah, unfortunately, it must be nice, but yeah. we're not. <laughs> yeah, not having to optimize everything purely to make that 1% increase. <laughs> but I guess like even the way yeah. you put that, Tom, it's literally like it's, and I guess this is where we can expand the conversation <laughs> is it's going into like programming consideration for the client. But it's like, you're, you're establishing, hey, this would be ideal. Like we work off this system, but if we have to supplement this because, you know, X, Y, Z is available at the gym and it's a fucking, you know, let's say you're in a good life in the city and there's 10,000 people in there at once, you got to make best do of what you got. That's like literally the flexibility of teaching flexible coaching. Like you're like, hey, look, you know, this, this pattern for relatively the general person going to the gym, this pattern makes sense. We're looking for an incline convergence mechanic. Okay, so we swap in, whether it's an incline convergence press, dumbbell press, bench press, whatever. We want that We want that movement to happen. Now, I'm not going to tell you to wait at the gym for half an hour just to get one exercise because you know this is the only way to do it. In an ideal pattern, in an ideal world, in this layout of the exercise, we have this, this machine here for you. This is what we want you to do. Make best do of what you've got because you're short on time and you've got things to consider there. And around that, it's also then working with like understanding who your client is and what they have going on lifestyle-wise. One of the things that I've noticed heaps amongst like my mums or my dads is that the the old notion they used to have was that I have to spend two hours at the gym, six days a week. And so one of their hesitations to signing up would be, oh, how much time do I have to spend? I don't have the time or the money and what have you. But what if I can tell you that I don't need to change your program every four to six weeks, but I can make your program shorter, consider where you are, have you do a, you know maybe an upper, lower, upper, lower split you've got four days and we just go in and fucking send it. But now you've got three days of rest around that time to be, you know, more considerate of the rest of your life. And the fact you've got kids and things like that. On top of that, if we're in the gym, we can look at, okay, let's do agonist antagonist supersets, same muscle group supersets, ulterior muscle group supersets, cluster sets, giant sets, what have you. We can drive similar amounts of volume without having to overwork the system or wait, you know, three hours in the gym it's not ideal for every single person to do these intensifier modalities, but at the same time, it is considering you as an individual, which is obviously one of the biggest parts of coaching. It just means that, you know, it's a bit more exciting. It's less time consuming. It's a bit faster and you still get a shit ton of stimulus intensity. So it's probably pretty exciting. But again, we can program that based on your lifestyle factors instead of just saying, Hey, here's a new program every fourth week. Yeah. Everything's got to be collaborative, right? the only way we can do what we do and it's the only way that we can kind of really be successful like we never want to be the guys who sit there and be like do this to the t blah 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 if you're going to do a prep sure it's got to be a little bit more dictatorship wise but at the end of the day for every other person it's just we're just here to guide you we're not here to you know we're not here to tell you exactly what to do we're going to give you the framework that you need to achieve the results that you want and within that you have options and you have flexibility, but you also have to talk to us. Yeah. We have to know. Like, I think that's a big thing is sometimes like as a client, you look at it and go, oh, can I question this? I've been told to do this, but every time I go to the gym on Monday and, and do push, the gym's packed and I can't get anything and it's taking me three hours. But I look around and all the back machines are free. Okay, cool. Chat to us and be like, yo, can we, can we switch the days around? There's no harm in our sense. Like it doesn't harm us. It doesn't change the program. We still get the same volume markers. We still get the same exercise movement patterns in in the week, which is all that really matters. Mm -hmm. Have a chat. Like collaborative kind of coaching is the best way forward and the only way to really have adherence long-term. Yeah. Realistically, we should be teaching you how to navigate instances like that. Like if we've got your program that's pushed on a Monday and it's, no chance of doing it. We, you should have gained an understanding from us as how you can adjust what days. Like, I mean, realistically, you just either push all your days back a day or bring them all forward, um, because your program days would be in a in a sequence for 
optimizing what you're doing right so it's like so you don't have back-to-back -back leg days or some stupid thing but um but yeah so it's like you should understand that like and by all means like you'd be asking but at the same time um i feel like that's something that your coach should probably touch on with you and and have that um flexibility in terms of you fit it in to how it suits your week like i'm going to give you this model but I don't care what time of day you do it or what day you do it. Um, the goal is to just ultimately get those things done. So um, however that's optimised to your schedule, that, that's how that works. So, Well, that's the, that's the joy. Of and, the then, and then we adjust. You, you can literally just click and drag the day you want to do. Like if you're, if, you know, you get to Monday, like you said, you know, it's, it's up a push one. And, you know, realistically that Monday is a shit show when it comes to your gym for all things push related. Well, okay, but what's pool day like? Well, pool day is empty. Okay, so we can go, all right, well, you know, if this is a random one-off occurrence, I might go to Tuesday, see that I've got pool day one instead of push day one, click start that, move that to Monday, the Apple modify it, and it's kind of like it just instantly uh, implements that into that day and kind of just ticks it off. So, you know, you kind of got that freedom there where, like you said, to just get it done if it's if it's mapped out if it's a consistent experience, like you said, let us know or let your coach know and you can then modify it long-term or more progressively. But you know, if it's say if it's a one-off thing, there's the joy of having something like the app where you can look at it and go, all right, well, I know Tuesday is pull day, Monday is push day, but push is ridiculous because everyone wants incline press, Smith machine press, dumbbell press and bench press. All right, well, I'll just do pull day because literally no one's touching a bent over row. Yeah, I think like, we always look at, like, all of us work on averages of the week, right? Like, yeah. weights, macros, steps, everything is average-based. doesn't have to be daily as long as we're getting through what we need to get through in a week. That's all that matters. And as Tom said, like, yeah, we, we put things in a, an order for a specific reason, but I think you also have to have some common sense and yeah. go... Yeah, right. I won't do legs on a Monday and then hit legs on a Tuesday because well, you're right. You might do it once, but you'll never do it again. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You're gonna learn do from fucking RDLs and then fucking bent over rows. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna hit hacks on Monday and then I'm gonna squat it like I'm gonna do my heavy leg press on a Tuesday. You'll be not walking for the rest of the week. Um, but yeah, like. As Tom said, and as we've said, like we have to, we have to teach you as well what we're doing and why we do it. I think that's one of my favorite parts is when, um, is like that. I, I kind of let it go, and I like to get to the point where a client will message me first, and it's usually like you know in the first couple of weeks, like, hey, this isn't available at the gym, but you know I'm waiting for your permission to do this exercise, and I'm like, sweet, you don't have to ever do this again. I'd rather you do and tell me than wait to be told, and I've got like my WhatsApp on on no disturb or something like that, like. You know, I've got the minimal, minimalist app on my phone now, so I'm going to see your stuff far less. I'd rather get to the end of my day looking you in like, hey, um, this exercise was shit at my gym or the mechanics aren't very good or I thought this might be better uh, given the, the limitation of equipment. What did you think? This is what I did. Sweet. Take a video. Show me. Tell me why you did it. I would rather you be involved in explaining me the process of your decision making than wait to be given the decision. That to me shows that you're autonomous and confident in Hey, this is what I'm what I'm thinking, and this makes sense to me. Walk me through it. Tell me why. Because then we can go. All right. So you've attempted something. You've tried to learn. Here's why I might have said no. Here's why it's not a big deal. But if that's something in the future that keeps up, we can definitely modify it. If you're like, you know what, I prefer this mechanical movement over this machine. Awesome. No worries. But that sort of first phase of a client, like usually uh, the earliest one I had was like literally week two from someone just recently. Was um, hey this. Uh, this world gym is absolutely packed. Uh, the likelihood of getting me a Smith machine for hip thrust is quite low, but the um, actual, uh, I think it was the, like the, the lever hip thrust machine they had was out of service. Something else that I can do, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do this first and then come back to it. Is that okay? Or, you know, what do you think? And I sort of left it as a question, but by the time I got back to it, they also solved the problem was like, how did this, this, and this, and then went back to it. Cool. Sweet. Like, that's totally fine. It's not a big deal. I'd rather you just tell me and then we go, okay, map out why that scenario happened. Do we need to modify this long-term? No, fantastic. Is this something we need to modify long-term? Yes. Okay, cool. Tell me why. What other machines are available? What do you think is better? How can we work through? Flying hamstring curl, booty kickback. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some just do cable kickbacks. Some get those Step cups Master out. Come on. Cable kickbacks with oh, a one Step kilo Master ankle kickbacks. bracelet thing on. That's it. Getting real juicy Go. pumps with it. Side Why is that not in well. my program? Honestly. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I just think that's um, a, that's that's a um obviously, yeah, just having that autonomy to make a decision. It's always like the first couple of weeks, and they'll wait to be told, and then that's when you get to shine as a coach and be like, look, I appreciate you waiting to ask because obviously I've mapped things out, and you like obviously you want to respect that. But in future, just fucking send it. Go do the thing. Tell me why you did it. As long as it's not something dumb like well, I did ten by ten of deadlifts on a day I was supposed to do RDLs. Okay, probably don't do that, but. If there's a justification for why you did something, let me know. And we can just simply modify. It's not a big deal. And I think a big thing from my end, and I guess with my experience is in injury rehab prevention management stuff is going, okay, why does something hurt? If something hurts and or you have an injury or you have a previous injury, then we look at going, okay, well, how can we modify around that? Yeah. Explain to me what it feels like. Explain to me where we're at if we really need to. Let's organize a time. Let's jump on a Zoom call. Bring me with you to the gym and let me see what your mechanics look like. And if I can work around it, sweet. I think I'm a firm believer and always have been through my entire career in that we should always continue training. There is no, there is very minimal times where we should stop training completely. Oh, yeah. There are times that we should stop movement patterns if they continue to hurt. But I think in the most part, there are, we, we live in an absolute luxury of a time where 90% of gyms have five, six, seven different options for most muscle groups. So we can look at going, okay, what doesn't hurt? What gets us a stimulus? Okay, let's do that. And then let's modify around it. And that's a big one that comes in in terms of like being able to modify. And that can happen week one, week two. If you go, oh, I have this shoulder injury and every time I do bench press, my shoulder hurts cool let's just not do bench press unless you want to be a powerlifter why do we we don't need to use a bench anyway so just let us know asap and we can work around it and if you really want to bench press okay we're just gonna have to do some work to get you in a position that you can bench press yeah yeah and yeah all that like it just it's it seems simple right like those are just like almost common sense ideas that you would have as a coach but i don't know it just seems that I guess people miss the forest for the trees as I put it earlier. And they try and look at like the minute details or pick out one thing and be like, we're going to, uh, you know, I'm going to modify this every four weeks or I'm going to keep you on your toes or, you know, we have to bench press because of X, Y, Z random reason that I've made up or insert some big technical word that I probably can't really comprehend. And so this is what we exactly how we're going to do it. And if you don't do it, you're a problem client. Well, I mean, logically, if a client's addressed something with you or said, Hey, this pro- program doesn't really work or it's not mapped out well, or this exercise sucks you should probably be pretty flexible and opening up to why you might modify things fair enough. Like there, that's where you probably take that consideration on board, but like random modifications every four weeks. I don't know. It just, it, it irks me in the sense of like, just it's almost misleading the client into thinking they, they won't get a result or like they can't get a result if it's not exciting or if it's not being like almost like sexualized in the sense of like, Hey, I've got to keep you interested. I've got to like, keep it fancy and keep it changing and keep me excited to do it as if that's, you know, the only way to get a result when, yeah. like we said. Yeah. We missed the biggest thing here. So you've got to shock the muscle. That's yeah. 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 100%. You've got to Your muscle gets used to it in that short amount of time <laughs> and it needs something, a different, completely different exercise to be able to shock it into growth. I think Tom said it best at the start. I think it's it's coaches trying to prove their value by yeah. giving you an extra service, which is changing your program. Yeah. And in reality, your value should be proof in the results that you get. And I guess yeah. from us, the compassion that we show in that process mm-hmm. and the guidance and the teaching and everything, that's the value we bring to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, that doesn't involve a program change every six weeks, but it brings you long-term enjoyment and long-term mm-hmm satisfaction and stuff like that we teach and we harp on about delayed gratification a lot and i think that's a big thing that all three of us bring to the table is teaching everyone underneath us that Mm -hmm. things take time and things take effort and things take consistency and intensity and everything else so like we bring you that we don't have to prove our value in giving you a new program yeah i mean if you're 
if you're if you're feeling a result or notice we've seen a result and it's six or eight weeks in, I'm not looking at that and going, oh fuck, I'm gonna mix that up for you. Like if that's if that's working, I'm looking at that and going, sweet, what else can I get out of it? How much longer mm-hmm. can we push this? What can I give you? What can we what can we keep going so that we don't have to change the equation of the formula that's giving me a result that I want? Like it it just doesn't make sense to me where you would you would actively see a result occurring and then be like, gonna interrupt that, gonna slow it down. Mm. Yeah. But I mean like just as like a kind of like a, a concluding point, you guys can uh, feel free to jump in. But when I'm looking at like mapping out programming, when I'm looking at like, yeah, what, what considerations then? Cause you know, one of the biggest things here is like, I don't give a fuck about giving up so much information. Anyone can listen to this and write their own program. I don't give a shit because the likelihood that you're coming to us just for a program is not the reason you're coming to us. And if everyone already had the information to make the perfect programs, well, we'd already have a world full of elite athletes and we don't and the information is free. So it's not a problem. But when I'm looking at like uh, a program map out, it doesn't even start with having a pre-made program. It starts with obviously understanding the client. That's where like, you know, goal setting comes in and conversation and communication comes in. What is it they actually want? What are they capable of? What's what's a pipe dream in sense of like, what would a perfect week look like for you? But then what does a reality week look like for you? Now that could be whether you're a, you know, a fucking six day a week office worker who's got overtime and all this sort of shit. And, you know, you expect to go to all these events and, you know, try and say no to food and drinking, or you're a mom or dad with two or three kids and a night shift job. Okay. So we've got to consider all those things. Are you likely going to get me six days a week in the gym? Probably not. Okay. Can you give me four? Yes. All right. Is five days pushing it? Maybe some weeks. All right. Let's just start with four. Let's start with four days a week build up from there. Let's get you foundationally in the system of doing four days consistently, build up that momentum. See if your, your MRV pushes up past handling four days and we might be able to push that into a fifth. Maybe start getting towards 80, 90, 100 sets a week. Okay, we probably need a fifth day. Then we look at like, okay, what is the specificity of this program? What are we trying to achieve? Because what we're trying to achieve obviously impacts that person. What they, what the, the end goal is over the period of time, you know, periodization, mesocycles, macrocycles. What do I want out of this 16-week block or 20-week block? Because the likelihood that's what it's going to be. From there, you can then sort of like uh, work back and deconstruct it and look at what's trying to come from that. Okay, well, you know what we need? This is a person with weak legs or they've got weaker quads, but they've got strong hamstrings. Okay, so we're looking predominantly at mapping out set volume to equate for the fact that I want them to just get in and train fucking hard. I don't know what they train like. I've got an idea, but I want them to hit at least a minimal stimulus load. And then if it's becoming too much or they train too hard, we can probably take back load, encourage that intensity. We'll start with the minimums of like eight sets per muscle group. Easy. Quads, however, I probably want more than hamstrings. So I might give them 10 to 12 to start off with, maybe only six to eight on hamstrings, balanced out a bit. Easy. Then you pick exercises and it's really not that fucking complicated. Look at program structuring, primary movements. What do I want you to really exceed in and drive the fuck out of in your intensity? That's usually a compound multi-joint exercise. So if it's a leg day, you're probably looking at a squat or a squat pattern, a press pattern or a leg press pattern, if you will. Uh, something's going to achieve maximum knee flexion and get as much out of the quad as possible. Probably going to generate a fair amount of fatigue for the rest of your program. So I don't want more than two of those exercises in the session. Okay, from there. What about the legs or posterior? Okay, I don't, I don't do quads and hamstrings. I do legs and legs. So you're not going to get a hamstring day and a quad day. You probably get a quad dominant day and a hamstring dominant day. So you might also include a posterior uh, dominant movement like an RDL or an RDL variation or a hinge variation. Then you're going to move into simplifying it into accessories. Now you're going to look at single joint movements that can still generate a fair amount of stimulus with a decent amount of intensity, but not that fatiguing. And then to probably finish it off after maybe three or four of exercises like that, you might have something really isolated, like a very single joint, single muscle group focused movement, like a calf raise or a hip thrust or a glute something, something really easy and simple that is not going to require a lot of, a lot of fatigue, but I can still generate some heavy amounts of stimulus in that muscle group to finish off the session. So realistically, all I'm doing when I look at it is mapping out order of complexity with order of intensity and making sure that by the back end, we still have a high degree of intensity and stimulus without a large degree of fatigue for the rest of the week. You got like your one or two heavy fatiguing movements and then you move into your simple shit and then you move into your really simple shit and then you finish. It's really yep. not like that. To me, that does, it makes the most sense and you just specify set markers based on that. Yeah, and you just pick what you want to work on and that's where the majority of the volume goes. 
and you pretty much set every day up the same way. And then if you really want to focus something, you want to get nitty gritty, you do exactly what Ben said, but you take that really specific thing. Say you really want to grow your carbs. Cool. You put that first and yep. then you run the rest of the program down. So it, it, we give you, we run, as I said, we run the bread and butter, we run the bones and then we can put meat on it as we need to. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the only other thing I would say would be um, in terms of what we talked about before in terms of excitement, that I would ask the client to start with like if there's exercises that they do enjoy doing and things mm -hmm. that they yeah, of course. just aren't a fan of or cause them issues. So, and then so I remember, you know, do I remember doing yeah. that right at the start. And I said to Ben that I hated yeah. doing chin ups. And guess what? I got for 23 weeks straight. <laughs> Fucking chin ups. So and the look, he's like, Oh, you don't like that one? All right, we'll come at it. Yeah, let, me put that shit back. Every, let me put that at first on every back day possible. Yeah, okay, how's your cool, back looking man. now? Uh, I don't know. Long? I can't see it. <laughs> uh, I don't look back, mate, only forward. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> uh, but I mean, and like literally what Tom just touched on there, that's literally in our, in our uh, starting exercise assessment sheet the clients start with, right? Is, is there anything you absolutely loathe? Is there anything you really want to do? Is there a movement you want to learn? Those three questions dictate the rest of your program. Outside of yeah. like the primary stuff you want to do, that stuff dictates the program. What can I put in that's going to excite you? What can I see if you need to do or you're just simply choosing not to do because you shit at it like Rowan? Or is it something that we can probably work towards getting better at because it's a movement you probably need to be able to do? Like some sort of like being able to hinge and bend over, squat and bend over, those things are pretty like necessary across life. So I don't want to exclude that pattern the entire time we work together. We'll just figure out a way to include it and make it a bit more excited. And I guess like the only other thing, um, like one of the big things that in that exercise order, if we're going to look at intensifiers, the best time that I find to put them in, if you're going to make it a bit more exciting, is at the back end of the program where the least amount of fatigue will generate for at least some high degree of volume or stimulus. So you look at single joint shit that you can do superset, cluster set, you know, unless you're psychos like us and you cluster set hack squats or pendulums. Um, you know, if you're at least looking at like, hey, how do I just get some more intensity out of my client? They're short on time. You might do bicep, tricep, superset. You might do calf ex uh, seated extension, uh, sorry, leg extension, hamstring curl. You might do a fucking hip thrust with a walking lunge. Stuff like that where it's not going to be heavily fatiguing and end up fucking the rest of your week but it's like the back end, what's left in the tank. Okay, now I'll do it. But in saying that, we're not just going straight to intensifiers for every single person. I don't think more than probably 10% of my clients have intensifiers. And the ones that do is probably got to do with time management. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only one I have supersets is the one I talked about before with like 45 minute sessions. So it's just antagonist exercises for when you can. And again, it starts too busy you can't do that, so you'll just do them individually. But like they're there, there is a superset in in an order that he can follow if he wants to, um, or can. So that, but other than that, yeah, you're getting your rest in between sets to so be able to push that set to its one hour up, right? So yeah, I mean, like I said, you can literally whoever's listening to this, you can literally take that last fifteen minutes and write your own templates. It's mm -hmm. like. The info is there. You can chat GPT. It's not a big deal. That's not, that shouldn't be mind blowing shit where people are like, oh, fuck, Matt has given away all these secrets. It's literally the foundations of just coaching someone's program. The thing is, though, and what we know in the research and what we know in the populations and the data is that if it was that simple, most people would already be that way and they're not. So just understand that info is, is not the, I guess, the foundation of achieving a result like that. So to me, it's like, I'd rather you know it so that when you come to us, you know what to expect. You're already going to know this is mapped out and kind of like not mapped out in the sense of templating everything, but mapped out in knowing what you get walking into. Then chat GPT, GPT, whatever the fuck it's called. Um, that can write your program for you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. So legit. Like you can get it anywhere you want. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you can literally ask it to write everything but an exact diet. So like it won't it leave this is how you know, again, it's not, it's not uh, automation. It's not fucking uh, AI yet. It's hindered by, um, by personal bias and impact is that the, the coders aren't allowing it to write meal plans. So 
it's not anything specific. It's just really fast search engines. Because it doesn't want to be reliable. Yeah, exactly. So it's just really fast search engines on the web on, on, on Google. So if the information is already out there, it's just automated to you really quickly. We just did the same thing, only how we do it. So, you know, it's not a fucking shock or surprise to me or like it's not a, oh, we're going to cost ourselves business or results. Go do it. Tell me how it goes. Let us know what you thought yeah. and how you mapped it out. Run it for 12 weeks. I guarantee you're probably getting bored or, or like, you know, want someone else to hold you accountable to it because that's kind of what coaching becomes. Yeah, that's our value as we spoke about before. But, uh, but yeah, I just thought that would be a, an interesting sort of talking point on our, our perspective. Like that's probably going to be a lot of our stuff is just kind of giving a bit of insight into how we do it and to where the mistake might be in the industry or the sort of trend that's going on and the shit that people are talking is I don't like people losing money or I don't like people being taken advantage of. I don't like people sort of so much being misled, but I think being caught up in the sexualized, polarized, uh, over-dramatized stuff in this game where you can get caught up spending thousands of dollars for just dog shit. At the bare minimum, I think like at least if this stuff is out there for free, it forces you to expect more or level up. Yeah. And as always, we're always here to, to answer questions and we're not shy about kind of giving out our knowledge and, and giving out our understanding about what's going on. So if something does seem too good to be true or something seems too glossy and beautiful, you can always ask questions as well. 100%. 100%. Yeah, agree. Yeah. And, and like see the value in what you actually are paying for. So like if they are changing, if someone's offering and changing four to six weeks programming and stuff, and it's like, well, now we've kind of explained our reasoning as to why that's probably not necessary. So if they're wanting to charge a new premium or whatever, because they do that, um, ask them, ask them, and why why do you pay extra to have that if it's not necessary? So, mm-hmm. yep. So I guarantee you're probably going to find. I often like a good sign that someone isn't even aware of why they're doing something is they'll run every complex word or terminology or or statement they can to try and explain a simple premise and still not be able to get to the point. So, you know, if you ask that question and you get run around a bunch of laps, I'd be asking even more then and sort of like double checking my opinions. But, you know, again, it's just to kind of give that opposing viewpoint or at least explain clearly as to why you might or might not do something. We're not here attacking any other coach specifically or naming problems. It's just simply that this is what's being said and heard in the industry at the moment by coaches that I've followed or people I've seen or spoken to. So if that's what they're saying, and I know better, I'm assuming that people don't know better are getting caught up in it. So here's a reason why we do it this way. Yep. Good good place to finish. Yeah. All right, guys. That's pretty much it. That clocks us at about an hour, which is, uh, well, again, we seem to be pretty good at talking shit for an hour. So hopefully it's useful. Hopefully there's something in there. We didn't talk that much shit today. That was, that was pretty that was tame. All quality. Yeah. <laughs> That's absolute golden nuggets the entire thing it's just it's just one yeah. hour of just pure gold standard <laughs> gold standard of nutrition mate hashtag nutrition warehouse <laughs> Fuck off. Oh, yeah, it's got that bit. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he meant stops hq <laughs> <laughs> all right guys we're gonna go thanks for joining and, and listening and we'll uh, be back with more episodes shortly